Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and past over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Afterlight, and I'm joined today by my guest, Michelle Chimpaka. After moving to Bali, Indonesia in 2002, Michelle's whole life changed. She was initiated as a Reiki master in 07 and began practicing shamanism after a powerful healing experience. A few years later, she was initiated by a Balinese shaman priestess into the first level of priestesshood, which opened Michelle up to bear which opened Michelle up to many magical abilities that allowed her to tap into people's subconscious minds and souls to assist them with deep healing and transformation. Michelle currently lives in Puerto Escondido, Mexico, where she teaches shamanism, holds sacred medicine ceremonies, and hosts spiritual healing retreats for women. She believes that when we follow our intuition and listen to spirit, we can manifest the lives we truly desire. Yes, please. Her mission is to touch the lives of one million or more people to assist in raising consciousness on our planet. And she's joining me now to talk about all things shamanism although i would love to hear about the priestesshood before we kick that subject off if we can welcome michelle Hola. thank you so good to be here yeah buenas noches well in in puerto escondido it's buenos noches and um Buen it's dia. so good to be here thank you so much and um well about that initiation so you know i spent 19 years in in bali and I had no idea that I was going to end up being there as long as I was, but I, it was a huge journey and a rite of passage for me. And at one point I had um, seen this film about this woman called Ibu Ayutanti. It was a documentary and I just had this strong um, feeling that I had to meet her. And I don't know how we did it. Me and a friend, we somehow found this uh, amazing priestess woman who didn't have an address. She lived in the middle of a rice field. Her ashram was in the middle of a, a rice field. And I remember as we arrived, I was like, how the heck did we find this place? And she said, only the people that are meant to find me, find me. And a lot of people try and they can't find me. Wow. And that kind of gave me you know, chills. And it was the beginning of me learning through doing. She wasn't like a traditional teacher she was more like an experiential teacher. You can watch me, you can absorb the energy of what I am offering and sharing with you, and you can learn by experience. And I started to attend her Thursday evening uh, trance dance channelings, and it was so powerful. The ball, I was one of, maybe there were, might've been one or two other foreigners that would attend um, these trance dance channelings, and, but mostly Balinese would come 
and they would go into trance and they would be um, dancing the spirit that they had channeled within them. And so I began to do that. I began to connect with spirits and they would dance through me. And through that dancing, there was a healing that would occur for the people that were channeling in these spirits. So it was, uh, it was pretty uh, amazing. And then after, I guess, a few months, her guides told her that they wanted her to initiate me. And I, I was kind of flabbergasted because, you know, I'm like, who am I? I'm just an American woman. There are so many Balinese people here that I felt, you know, were, you know, very deserving of that honor. And I, I didn't understand. I wasn't trying to appropriate anything, but she was, she told me quite clearly, no, um, they really want me to do this for you. So that's how I became initiated. And what was the initiation like? Well, um, because I was married at the time to a Balinese man, he had to be a part of that. So he had to agree and we came as a couple oh. and there were a lot of prayers and um, cleansing of our energy fields. And um, what they do in Bali is they call it, it's a malukat where they take a coconut and they pour coconut over you. And there's prayers and mantras that are said to raise your vibration and um she told me after that i i shouldn't be eating any any cow meat any red meat because of the initiation and what that meant so did you refrain from doing that up to this point or was it just for a well i did i did for a while and then i you know i you know sort of you know got tempted and ate a little bit of red meat but to be honest, I don't really have much desire for red meat anymore, and nor do I eat really pork. So I think naturally, I just kind of moved away from that anyway. So that was good. Yeah. So with them being yes. initiated into the priestesshood, I mean, what does that do? Does that connect you with your divine feminine energy? I've never really talked to anybody about this subject before. I don't think she looked at it that way because in Bali, everything is equal, the dark and the light, the masculine and the feminine. It wasn't, um, I use the word priestesshood only because I'm a woman, but it could have been a man receiving this rite of passage. So I think what it meant was that I had now access to Balinese spirit guides, basically two in particular, Ratu Gade who lived a long time ago, and he was the king of Nusa Penida, and Ratuniang, who was known as this young woman who would be often found, well, they saw her in spirit form by the river as she was looking for flowers for the offerings. And so they were um, the two spirit guides that I was initiated to work with. Wow, okay. So just before we move ahead with today's subject, which is shamanism, because I could probably keep asking you about that ceremony and those guides and everything, but that's not what today's show is necessarily about. Although if that's where spirit wants us to go, you can just tell me. But I wanted to ask you a bit about, have you always been spiritual? Did you find that when you were living in Bali? Did you find that when you first connected with this, with this teacher? Or has it been a lifelong thing? Well, my earliest memory of my spiritual gifts were um, was at the age of four, when I knew what was going on with my parents, their relationship was in trouble, but I never heard anything. But then again, I heard something. 
from my mother's mind. And I would pick up on her thoughts and empath what she was feeling. So she would be saying one thing and my little four-year-old mind, it didn't make sense because the energy wasn't matching what she was saying to me. And that's when I began to realize how so many people lie and I could pick up the energetic truth. So that was from a very, very early age, age four years old. And it, it, did, it was in a way very incomprehensible to me. I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew that something was off and I didn't understand why. And then as I grew older, my, my abilities grew and, um, you know, I started, you know, having access to information from people and uh, it became very um, powerful. But at the same time, I felt very alone because I realized that most people didn't know what I knew or had the abilities that I had. So yeah. it was kind of a lonely journey growing up, to be honest. Or people wouldn't want you to know that stuff about them. No. And I didn't want to know really. It just happened yeah. that I could channel it in. And yeah. So um yeah, so I stopped for a long time. I shut off my gifts and abilities for many years because I didn't want to be ostracized and called the witch and the weird woman and all of those things so yeah, yeah it's inter interesting when did you decide to turn the gift back on again did you have a dark night of the soul experience did you recognize that you were only sort of half living your potential uh was there a catalyst that happened or did it just sort of happen in a casual way all of the above <laughs> <laughs> um I definitely um I had several dark nights of the soul and I guess the one I had that was the most recent was when I left my my husband uh in the U.S. and I moved to Bali I was really in a, a spiritual crisis and I just knew that something had to change and when I got to Bali uh that's when everything opened up and um you know, then I studied Reiki too and became a Reiki master. And definitely all of that was a catalyst for me to open up and become a healer and get on the path of shamanism. I love that, you know, when you were sharing your story of being initiated and, you know, you were saying that you call it priestesshood, but someone else may call it something different. I was really sort of taken to the idea that they were honoring your your passage like your crossing and they kind of you know I see like this beautiful river flowing and it's almost as though there's this visual of you going to the other side and continuing on with your journey do you think there is sort of a time before that initiation and then after or was it maybe not that significant you know in the terms of the way that I'm kind of putting it as a before and after I don't know. I think I look at it all as, as part of a pattern, like a, uh, a hand-woven tapestry that more, um, more patterns were woven into the tapestry of my spiritual journey. Uh, so I, I don't even see the, the beginning and the end so clearly. It's just an ongoing thing, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, even before I got on this call, I was in a converse, I mean, the whole day was incredible having spiritual connections with people. And then another, 
you know, connection with a dear friend here who is a medicine woman. And I, this is really my life. It, it never ends, you know, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, it's never ending now. And, and, and before maybe there were more pauses and stops and starts, but now, no, oh, no that's it just so continues. Cool. Actually, as you're saying that too, I'm even noticing for myself. So I'm not sure if this happens to you, Michelle, I'd love to hear it. But sometimes I hear a ringing in my left ear and I know it's not spirit. I know it's a download. And I was just mm. thinking about that when you were talking about how, oh, interesting. I think I get downloads taking me along the journey as opposed to like you're talking about the stops and the starts. It's an ongoing kind of like ebbing and going with the flow of life I suppose do you have that ever happen yes, to yeah. you or yes I do I mean I do get downloads sometimes I think I they come in my sleep yeah a lot of times because when I wake up I'm like oh I feel really differently something shifted with my consciousness um but yeah absolutely I think we all have that capacity to get downloads but I think uh, a lot of people don't pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. That's uh, fortunate because that's how we know we're connected. We yeah, know when right. we get that information through. Yeah. yeah, or we're up leveling or there's a shift coming. It allows you to be actually, it's like I'm working it out with you. If you're holding space for that. Thank you. I'm realizing maybe too, when you're realizing, when you get these downloads, you can understand how you might be a little bit more sensitive around those times. And uh, yeah, I just had that awareness. Thank you for that. So let's talk a bit about That's shamanism. Not- what introduced you to the subject of of shamanism how would you define shamanism for somebody at home who may be not familiar with the subject and do you think there's multiple meanings absolutely there's so multiple meanings i mean i went again i went to dinner the other night and there were three three of us who are all shamanic practitioners and we were all doing something totally different so um what is shamanism shamanism it is a spiritual path. And the true definition, I think Sandra Ingerman, who is quite a famous shamanic uh, healer in the USA and teaches uh, courses as well, she talks about it as a path or as a pathway to learn about how to die. And um, oh. I can understand that. I can truly understand that. But in shamanism, we navigate what what I call is this is the ordinary reality space and the middle world. And we're able to travel into non-ordinary reality space to what's called the transcendent realms, the upper world, the lower world, uh, which is where these helping spirits reside in the upper world. They're more um, etheric angels and archangels and ascended masters. And then in the lower world, that's where our power animals are. And so the shaman has the ability to connect with their helping spirits and also to receive um, healing and gifts, not just for themselves, but for their clients. And so part of the work that I do as a shaman is to um, do things like power animal retrieval when somebody is feeling very low vibe, low energy, no confidence, confused, I'll retrieve a power animal that can help them right now in their lives. Um, the other thing I do is um, 
soul retrieval work. And that's when we find the fragments of someone's soul, not literal fragments, but more of the consciousness of the mm. soul that has been left behind in traumatic experiences. And in modern day psychology, they call that disassociation. But in shamanism, we call it soul sickness. And we don't have the same uh, framework for mental illness as you know in Western psychology. We don't look at like, oh, this person is bipolar or this person is schizophrenic. Um, and in fact, I was having a conversation with a friend who is a psychiatric nurse, but she's quite spiritual. And she was talking about this and we were both talking about the idea that, you know, why in the Western cultures, you know, a person who hears voices is considered a schizophrenic, but in yeah. Bali, they would consider that person to be highly spiritual and is receiving sacred messages from the divine source. So it's interesting how um, mental illness has become uh, this kind of taboo thing, like she's bipolar, she's depressed, she's schizophrenic or whatever. And um, I don't see things like that. And uh, in fact, I'm writing a book right now. It's called You're Not Crazy, You're Just Psychic, because I really want to expose that there is so much more to what's called mental illness than meets the eye. There's so much more going on. And yes, there are real problems where, you know, people definitely have some cases of, of real, you know, hormonal imbalances and so forth. I'm not saying across the board that there is no mental illness, but what I'm saying is maybe 70% might be due to spiritual issues or other, other issues that we're not talking about, you know? I do find it fascinating because, you know, having this podcast, I've had some very interesting out there conversations and I sometimes feel that, you know, it could be misconstrued very often as, you know, crazy talk in a way, but maybe do you think it's just that the, that the world is still needing to be educated about it? I mean, the fact that you're talking to your friend who's a nurse working within the system, who can look at things with a different lens, maybe there's hope for the people that she's interacting with. Would you say that that's a large part of it is maybe education and then a large part about our total disconnect with Gaia and with our ability to be connected above and below? You know, there's this whole, all these things that we have to virtually undo to kind of move ahead and out of that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in her case, she said, unfortunately, a lot of the people, they may have started off not being really mentally ill, but then they got addicted to drugs and then they were, yeah. they really went down the rabbit hole. But like, if we had an understanding before those people um, became totally lost through drug addiction, if we understood that, you know, this is a gift, this is a gift from from God or source or creator, you know, and both of my children, I brought them up to, they know how to heal. They, one of my sons is a visionary. He had a vision just last week of, of warning me of something that was possibly going to happen if I were to take this step and do this. So 50 years ago, he would have been locked up in an asylum. Yeah. You know, like, you know, visionaries are not accepted. I think it's better than it used to be but yeah. um 
it is it is something that people need to be re-educated upon and I I definitely hope that this book that I'm writing will be um, an eye opener and a stepping stone for people to to realize that they've got to start rethinking how they define mental illness. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get you on the show when the book is out and uh, I'll definitely <laughs> read it before so that we can have a good conversation around that. I want to go Thank back you. to something that you said earlier, because I wanted to make sure that our listener at home didn't have any hangups around this subject. I wanted to talk to you about power animals for a second, just because you brought them up and you talked about being able to uh, you know, help somebody who's dealing with a, a challenge or an issue to connect with a power animal. Now, is your interpretation of, for example, if somebody's needing to be courageous, that they may share or or um, try to invoke the qualities of a, of a lion or of a bear or something like that? If they're having a hard time seeing things objectively, would you ask them to bring in maybe the the animal spirit of, of maybe an eagle or a bird or a giraffe, even to look at things from a different vantage point. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so, yeah. So how I go about doing power animal retrievals is I give, there's two options. Like either I let the person go and retrieve their own power animal, which I find to be a lot more empowering. And I drum uh, so many beats per second to put them in a kind of trance state. Um, and we've talked already about how to navigate to the lower world and, and, you know, the experience of passing through a kind of membrane or um, cloud where they end up in the lower world. And they're looking for a power animal specifically for whatever their problem is. If they need more courage, they're looking and they call out and say, I'm looking for a power animal that's going to help me get more courage. Oh. And so then that power animal will come to them and they will then ask, are you, are you the right power animal? And the power animal will let them know, yes, I am. And so they bring back the energy, the spirit of the power animal. Of, and that's what gives them the courage. So whenever they think about that power animal, it's like a an anchoring in of the courage that they experienced when they met it in the first place. Oh, so yeah, I love that. So they feel that initially remembering the power on them, they can refeel that. Yes. Yeah. And we do that through like powering up. We take our, you know, rattles and powering up as we're envisioning that animal and we merge with the energy of the lion, for example, and we really feel the energy of the lion filling us up. And then, hey, that's the time to go and do your presentation at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or have that difficult conversation or whatever yes. it is that you need to do. Do you believe that people are born with a uh, power animal, you know, on their team, spirit guides, a primary guide, what are your sort of beliefs around that? And are those your particular beliefs or are those connected to your shamanic training? Um, so I think some people are born with helping spirits and other people might not be. I don't know, you know, definitively what the answer to that question is. But in shamanism, absolutely, we believe, we totally work with guides. And we, you know, that is a part of the shamanic tradition of um, asking for the help of our helping spirits, which include power animals, by the way, and some yeah. other personified type helping spirits. Uh, shamans are always working with their with their helping spirits. Yeah. When I think of shamanism, I think about 
working with the elements, I think about using drumming and, and sound and vibration. You know, I think about being really rooted on the ground. I don't think about too much about high, high energy in terms of in angelic. So I was really interested when you mentioned the higher realms and working with the angels. Uh, do you find that, and I will just say too, for our listener at home, if you're, you know, you're, you can't see Michelle, but Michelle looks to me as though she's very grounded. Michelle, you just seem like you're very centered. You're very calm. You have a real presence about you. You feel like, to me, you seem like you're really here and you're, well, you've been holding space for me this whole time, which is why I've had a couple of aha moments, but you feel really connected to the earth. Is that a big part about what shamanism is about? And do other shamans work with the angelic worlds as well? Can you talk a bit yeah, about that? that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I think I, I feel very connected with the earth. And um, throughout the week, I do practices like calling in the directions and um, just really being by the ocean and walking by the beach and to me, that's super grounding. And on the full moon, I had a, um, a circle of women and we, I did a journey, um, drumming journey. And so, I mean, I'm very, for me, this work is such soul, soulful work and it's really nourishing for my soul. Um, now I forgot the second part of your question. Oh, the, do other shamans connect with the angelic realms? Yes. I was, watching uh i was doing some studies with a teacher in peru and he specifically and, and the, a lot of the peruvian shamans talk about their connection with the palladians oh. and they connect with the palladians specifically um, which is a galactic race for people that don't know who the palladians are um and so that is absolutely a galactic kind of there are the galactic type shamans i not so much the galactic kind of shaman, although I'm very much a believer in the Palladians, but yeah, I feel more connected to the earth and the elements and the maybe the more traditional types of shamans. I'm starting to meet more Mexican shamans and I'm very interested in learning more about the Toltec ways. And uh, so, yeah, I'm more into the ancient shamanic practices and other shamans are very galactic. It's very interesting. That's yeah. so cool. And I think it just shows me how how more I need to educate myself on the subject of shamanism, which is a big part about why I love having people like yourself on the show. Never would have occurred to me that there were shamans that worked with galactic energy. And for our listener at home, in a couple of weeks, I will be releasing an episode that's all about light language. And the guest on the show does channel some of the Palladians. So that's very cool if you're interested in that. So when you were talking, you talked about calling in the directions. I really feel that I, well, I learned last year and it was one of those moments where you go, oh, this makes so much sense. It's kind of like when I figured out I was an empath, I went, whoa, I wish I'd known this 30 years ago. But anyway, uh, I realized that, you know, when you understand how to work with the elements, and this is something I'd like to improve in for myself, you understand your own cycles more. You, you understand the importance of the hibernation and the spring and the harvesting and the preparing to hibernate, you know, you kind of understand a bit about how you don't have to be in a summer all the time, for example. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about 
you working with the elements and are the elements connected to directions as well or the directions have their own sort of place in it are they their own category i guess well working with the elements is definitely a part of shamanism and when you call in the the four directions uh the direction of the south is connected to the element of fire and the archetype of the snake and so it's really important to acknowledge the the archetype as well the snake representing shedding of the skin and the fire is burning away you know all that no longer serves you um and then the west is um the element of the water and all things water the the oceans the seas the rivers the brooks the water that we drink the the more than 70 percent of water that is it within us you know and um connecting with the element of water is also about connecting with the emotions and the tears that we shed or that we have been holding back from shedding. So it's really, really powerful to be calling in the directions and connecting with the, the elements. The North is, you know, the element of the earth and the hummingbird and the hummingbird is all about resiliency and making the po the impossible possible. And then we come to the East, which is the element of the air and the condor and the eagle represented by the condor and the eagle and but i do want to say that calling in the directions is different for different shamanic cultures so i do it this way but uh in the the navajo tradition or in the aboriginal tradition they will have different archetypes and they might even start in a different direction when they call in the directions yeah so do you kind of have an intention of maybe creating a ritual or is it a you know you might intend to manifest something or you want to just further your connection to maybe source energy and you go out onto the grass and you call in the directions in a particular sort of fashion almost like an invocation uh does it change based on your intention around it well, my intention is always like, you know, honoring all the elements of the earth, whether I'm indoors or outdoors and calling upon uh, all the helping spirits to to be with us and to protect us, to share their wisdom and their healing with us. So it's the intention is is pretty much the same for me when I'm calling in the directions. Um, it is. Um, it's a very sacred practice and it it's a way for us to really connect as well connect with uh connect with the earth connect with the elements connect with uh father sky and grandmother moon and and really feeling that divinity within us and around us and so i think when we do these practices they remind us to come back home to who we truly are do you think that you need to have a balance of the elements to have a successful life? One of the things that I often, you know, think about is, you know, if somebody, let's say they have a plan or a goal that they want, right, but they can't move forward, then I would think that they would need some more fire energy because they don't have any action energy. Or mm -hmm. if they're overly sensitive and really emotional and maybe their intuition is just going off and they just can't really compute that they have maybe too much of a water element. So what are your thoughts on 
unbalanced? Does balance change depending on the cycle that you're in, the age that you are, the person that you are, your intentions for what you want your life to look like? Well, you know, I mean, I haven't gotten into this part of the elements as much as what you're asking. I have a friend who does feng shui. And this is almost like getting into that more, I'd say, into the Chinese system of how the elements work in relationship to our life. Um, but my feeling is absolutely, if the, if the person is feeling, uh, you know, unmotivated uh, or uninspired, of course they, you know, the obvious answer is they need more fire. Um, but in terms of prescribing the elements in the shamanic work that I do, I don't really do that. That's not part of what I do. I connect with the elements, but I don't really say, oh, you need this element. Um, I might say more likely to say you need this archetype. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm more um, probably working in that realm of like, you know what, you're having a lot of physical issues. Uh, and so for health, physical health in particular, the snake is a good archetype for you to call upon uh, to help heal your physical issues. Whereas if they're having a lot of issues with addiction, whether it's addiction to drugs or addiction to suffering or uh, any other kind of bad habits or ancestral patterns that they really want to shift, then I would say you need to work with the Jaguar. So oh, I'm probably wow. more likely to help people that way than rather than honing in on the elements. Oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. When you're talking about archetypes, do you primarily focus on the animal kingdom? Uh, may, mostly, but you can go into other archetypes as well, for sure. But yeah, mostly. Yeah. The four directions anyway are associated to the uh, the animal kingdom. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love talking about this sort of stuff because it seems to me that when people are struggling in their daily life, that there's all of these things that they can tap into to really help to promote their healing and help move them Absolutely. ahead. So, you know, what role does shamanism play in the healing journey and what role do you think it, it plays even in, in Western medicine? Oh, what role does shamanism play in the healing journey? This is, um, for me, this is such a big question. It's a great question, but it's like the, the shamanism has infinite possibilities of how you can heal yourself. Infinite. I mean, the more I dive into shamanism, um, the more I'm just amazed at what you can do. So for example, for people that are struggling with depression, uh, and I myself have had a lot of uh, challenges with depression, so I understand uh, depression quite well. It's taking a journey uh, to meet uh, the jaguar to help you destroy this pattern of thinking would be very beneficial to somebody uh, as part of their healing. or getting a soul retrieval done because soul retrieval, soul loss, um, the symptoms of that are depression, anxiety, feeling lost and confused. So you can, the shaman can take that person on a, on a soul retrieval journey uh, where the shaman finds the fragments and brings them back. Um, there's just a multitude of things you can do with shamanism. I, I, <laughs> there's also the plant medicine aspect, which, you know, um, I just started getting into the last couple of years and how psilocybin and 
having a psilocybin sacred ceremony uh, can hugely shift people in terms of their mental health and well-being. So there are so many pieces of shamanism that can help people. And I think that more and more people are realizing, I mean, I'm even getting therapists now contacting me wanting to join my mentoring program because they're, they're saying, I'm like blown away. They're saying they're like, we, we really get now that this, um, this sort of, um, I can't think of the word right now, but um, this model for mental health isn't enough. They're like telling me we need to do more. We need to get, you know, get these people connected spiritually. And they're like, I want to learn about shamanism. And I had one uh, therapist graduate from my program. And it was just so exciting to see this evolution happening in modern day psychology. So it's so relevant in so many ways. I think it's so good. And I do want to talk to you in a minute about a little bit more about plant medicine and a little bit more as well about who it is can be you know, a shaman, can anybody be a shaman? Do you have to be kind of born into it, inducted into it? Before that, though, I do want to ask you about the power of sound, because when you were talking about, you know, going and connecting with the jaguar, I was thinking about your reference earlier to the drumming and the, that just real tribal, that really raw, beautiful beat, you know, to really bring people through is using sound and using sound and healing and, and to bring those trance levels in, is that a really sort of significant part of the work that you do? Yeah, I think I think sound is definitely becoming more and more important to me. I find myself uh, doing a lot of drumming, doing the journeys, but also singing. Singing is coming in more, chanting. Um, sometimes I'll use, you know, the bell or the, the Tibetan singing bowl, the cuenca, um, the rattles, different instruments. I mean, yeah, I definitely in shamanism, sound is very important and singing and music is, is a big part of uh, shamanism for sure. Yeah. Do you think that in the shamanism work you do, and I'm kind of getting the impression in a way that you sort of, not you, but I guess, you know, shamans maybe in general, that they take a lot of their learnings and a lot of their life experiences And then they kind of find their own way of doing things. And maybe that's also in reference to the fact that you, you know, you reference going to lunch or or dinner or something with some other shamans and you're all doing things a little bit differently. Is, is shamanism really a personal, you know, practice? Is it really something that you kind of hone and, and, and work into finding your own way? And then it's under that banner shamanism as a practice is a personal practice as a healing practice there are fundamental things that pretty much most shamans do which i've already mentioned the soul retrieval the power animal retrieval right working with mind altering substances um doing divination which is you know also known as you know fortune telling um those are all kind of core components of being a shaman and being a shamanic healer but your shamanic practice definitely can be more personalized uh for me that that includes singing my soul song while i'm drumming um i have a seven step practice that i do every day which is my own thing that's not particularly shamanic um you know for me being in the ocean connecting with the ocean um 
you know, so yeah, my personal practice is absolutely going to be different from another shaman. Another shaman might be, you know, in the garden, gardening and connecting with the earth that way, um, or going and talking to the trees, for example, um, which I do love to do. Every shaman has their own practice, but in terms of the the, the core delivery. fundamentals, yeah, yeah, the delivery of of healing, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So it's kind of like you can go to a shaman for divination, but they might all define in a different way. Yes. So I love that. Exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. Can we talk a bit about plant medicine again, only because I'm not really familiar with the plant um, medicine that you just referenced. Of course, ayahuasca is really well known. Um, mushrooms is quite well known. I, I guess I'm just sort of wondering whether or not you think that these things are going to become a little bit more acceptable uh you know in your experience have you used them to assist you with your own you know maybe you, you talked a bit about challenges with depression did you ever use anything to assist you with that have you seen it work with with the clients that you're using and then of course i'd also like to know a bit about things our listener at home should be aware of because obviously you don't want to just go out and buy a random bag of mushrooms from some random on the street corner no no you don't so yes, the answer is yes. I, I've worked with my own depression um, with what's called microdosing. It's very small amounts, like 100 to 200 milligrams, which is very little. And you take that once a day, four days on, three days off. Um, it, it has absolutely uh, helped to heal my depression um, for me. And I can only speak for me. I can't make any promises for anybody else. Yeah. Um, I was able to heal my depression within a week after starting microdosing, uh, which wow. was pretty incredible. And then I continued uh, for about three months and then I got the awareness I didn't need to do it anymore and I stopped. And I'm really, really in tune with my body and my higher self. So if I feel I need to do it again, I do. If I don't, I don't. So uh Absolutely. It's good to consult with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, they do have legal dispensaries in Oregon, and I don't know what other states offer um, psilocybin as a medicine. And more and more therapists are getting certified in psychedelic therapy, which is something I'm looking into as well. And awesome. uh, not to be not to be a therapist, though I don't want to be a therapist, but to be to do psychedelic therapy. Yeah, um, yeah. So it is becoming uh, a little bit more mainstream. It's pretty amazing the shift that's happening in the United States and in other countries throughout the world that are really recognizing the medicinal benefits of these uh, mind-altering um, medicines, such as ayahuasca. And psilocybin. I personally don't have much experience with ayahuasca. It's not really my plant medicine of choice. I had an interesting conversation about it today with another shaman. Uh, but I, uh, I, uh, psilocybin journeys, both one-on-one -on -one personalized healing journeys and in groups. Yeah. And I guess, you know, what I'm taught when you were saying that I was thinking to myself, you know, cause I live in Australia and, you know, medical marijuana, is like slowly coming in, but you know, it's not legal, you know, for just the average person to get it. Right. Um, yeah. I just feel like the lot behind the times, especially as I'm Canadian, I can see the, the changes that have been made over there. But sometimes I feel that, you know, it's about whether or not governments want their people to be healed or not. Do you think that's kind of 
part of it? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you can or can't say, but I mean, like, oh. it's like, you know, big pharma is, you know, rules like so powerful. And, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, when you think about what happened, you know, um, and if you have to take this out, I understand, but, you know, over 30 uh, homeopathic doctors either died or disappeared in the United States of America when they discovered the, uh, the blocker that was blocking the enzyme to give people natural resistance to cancer. And um, all of them discovered it around you know similar time and they they're not around and nobody knows oh about what happened God. to them so either they died or something disappeared but over 30 of them so big pharma is way too invested there's too many billions and billions of dollars they don't want people to be healed no way no way and um you know, fortunately for me, I'm not that big on the circuit. People don't know me. And I kind of do prefer to be in the background because I have another friend who's much more visible than me and she's gotten threats. And, you know, I don't really want to be famous. <laughs> I'm not like, a, I'm not like one of those people like, I want to be famous. No, because <laughs> there's, there's a price to be paid for that. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I guess what it just goes to show is that it's up for us to remember that, you know, there's this whole world of opportunity and possibility yeah. and that, you know, not to take things at face value necessarily and get those second opinions and, and discern yes. and find your own inner truth. And, you know, with you coming on the show and talking about some of these other options, you know, I think that's really important because personally, I believe that people have free will to make their own decision. And I don't yes. like it when people are told what they have to do or can't do. I think it's unfair unless Absolutely. you're hurting someone, obviously, but you know, it just goes to say that I believe that, you know, mother earth can really give us so much healing if we just sort of know where to look for it. Yeah, so, you absolutely. Know, how do people kind of get started if they're dealing with something, if they're dealing with challenges, could you share a story of maybe someone that you've worked with before that maybe came to you and you were able to assist them? A big part of yeah. it is education, I guess. Well, you know, if people are really feeling, you know, lost and, you know, and depressed, or they're just feeling stuck in their life, how would they get started? I think Everybody's, you know, everybody's spiritual journey is different, but one of the things I recommend because I, I'm a Reiki master, even though I don't really teach Reiki anymore, is like doing a foundational course in Reiki, for example, or taking um, a mindfulness course, anything like that to help you shift your vibration and to help you rewire the way that you think. So whether it's studying hypnosis, studying quantum touch, studying Reiki, studying meditation, um, anything like that is a really great way to get started to um, really find your connection with that divine source energy. What tip would you give to someone or even maybe something that you've used yourself that help you to see when something's truthful for you? You did talk at the very beginning of our conversation about being able to discern when someone's being untruthful, for example. 
do you find that that works in, in terms of, you know, maybe your own healing journey where you kind of gravitated towards something and it was an inner knowingness? Did you, do you have to try something to kind of know, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think our body is the parameter for the soul. And if you pay attention, your body will give you a signal. So you could either like put your hand on your heart and just go, is this really true for me? You know, just taking a pause, not rushing ahead and just closing your eyes and go, is this really true for me? And feeling into that. And if it feels really heavy, that's a clear no. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Your body wants to tell you. Um, for people that are not very kinesthetic, and they're like, I, I can't relate to that. I can't feel anything. Then perhaps another sense, engage your sense of sight, inner sight, close your eyes. What visions are you getting when you ask, is this really true for me? What visions are you getting? Mm. So, or maybe you hear a message um, more like Clara audience. What am I hearing? What is my inner ear telling me so engage the sense that works for you for me I'm very kinesthetic and I I'm a, what you call a clairsentient I feel a lot but not everybody is a feeler but you could also be a claircognizant type of person where you know trust your knowing trust the information that's coming in yeah, it's I about taking that moment and really paying attention I love that because not only you're talking about the importance of trust and I'll just say for a listener at home, it's building that trust and it's learning, especially from the mistakes. It's about going, yes. oh, I knew better and I didn't do it. Um, but it's also a lot about, like you just said, taking that moment to pause, taking that moment to reflect, right? Yes. You mean, because sure. we're kind of all caught up in a lot of doing all the time or we don't take the time to go, wait a minute, why is it that? this keeps happening, or I do, I feel this way, or, you know, what is it about this? And then seeing what your own wisdom has to tell you. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we are already at the hour. I, it's, it's wow. I know, <laughs> <It went right? laughs> I know it did it go it went super fast. I am wondering, Michelle, how people can get in touch with you, how they can find out more. I know you don't want to be famous, but if they want to get a copy of the book, eventually we'll definitely have you back on the show so we can talk about that, which I think would be a really fascinating conversation. Awesome. But I know Thank you have you. a membership. I know you offer lots of different services. So how can people get in touch? I will put your links in the show yes. notes as well. Awesome. Um, they can get in touch with me at um, www.spiritweaver journeys with an s.com and they can also follow me at at spirit spirit weaver gal um, which is the same for my facebook and um, i'm on podbean i have a podcast i'm getting more consistent with producing my shows every week i have a special guest on my podcast called embodying your higher self tools for living consciously and um, i believe i'm on spotify and amazon and all the other platforms so you can find me uh so yeah they can they can find me if they look you know yeah if they look yes 
and I'll make it easy for them as I set up with the links in the show notes. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about? I do find it sometimes challenging to narrow down a subject such as shamanism into an hour. It's very difficult, but is there anything you felt called to speak on that I didn't ask you about or that you wanted to leave our listener with, with anything to think about for themselves or just anything that's on your mind at the moment? Well, I, I guess I just want to say that if people are really seeking to learn more about this path, um, I do offer uh, a group shamanic mentoring program online, and I'm going to be doing an in-person training here in Puerto Escondido in, on, in May. So if you feel called to go deeper, then come and join me. That would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's really important to find an authentic teacher somebody who really um, knows what they're doing. I've encountered a lot of teachers that um, were were not great. And um, luckily I had enough trust in my knowing to go, something's not right, right here. So if you are investigating learning Reiki or learning shamanism, uh, whatever you're thinking of studying, check in with yourself. Is this the right teacher for me before you jump into learning with that person? Yeah, yeah I agree I, with that. And would you do that by seeing if they have any books, looking at their socials, looking for testimonials, all that kind yes. of thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking and, and just tuning in energetically when you go on somebody's website, you can feel the energy. I've had people say, wow, I felt the energy and I had to contact you. Yes. Like you'll know if this person is right. And if you feel something's a little bit off, trust that and don't go for it. Don't go for it. Yeah. And sometimes you just know you don't need to justify it. You just go, there's something not off, not right. Boom, moving on. Cause there's a lot of people and spirit will show you the right person. I feel if you just let them know. So can anybody do this work? Like, you know, can anyone learn to be a shaman, for example? Oh, that's this... right. You did ask, you did ask me that that's before. Okay. And I, I didn't re- that. Yeah. No, I didn't re-ask yeah. you. So yeah. Um, can anybody, anybody can learn to, to do these shamanic practices, but does that mean they will be a shaman? Not necessarily. I think it really is a calling. It is a path that calls you. And the students that I get usually have had some kind of calling. It's, which is, they just know, they just know. So absolutely these practices can be beneficial for anybody. You don't have to be a shaman to do these practices, but not everybody will be a shaman as a result of studying shamanism. Right. And would you give someone that title? Does that title have to be given to you from another shaman, for example? Usually it's given to you from another shaman. Yeah, usually it is, or, or not, not a shaman, but more the community and how they see you. And like, for me, I only recently started calling myself a shaman, which I kind of felt shy about, but then I was, my students were saying, you're a shaman, you know, and I'm like, okay, I guess I am. But I feel, you know, in general, that the path of shamanism is a, is a humble path. And when you see these teachers with really inflated egos, like watch out, you know, watch out. (laughs) That's right. Because we're doing, I'm not a shaman, but we're doing spirit work. We're channels for soul, for spirit energy. The healing comes from the light. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not from the person. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, my sister, for being here. Really enjoyed talking to you. 
Thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, it was really, it was really great. And I hope this, uh, the information I shared will be helpful for everybody. Well, for sure. Thank you. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.